Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independentartistthinkers. Great to have you with us. Hi, this is Tracy Slatten, hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. We have a great show lined up for you today. I'm all excited. And I'm very grateful and humbled that so many people are listening to the show. So thanks for tuning in um, live and in the archives. I really appreciate it. I created this show to support those brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. As the intro to the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. Please do call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com, independent artist thinkers. But I'm just looking and Blog Talk Radio, I don't know if their chat is working. It seems to be coming online now. Um, so hopefully you'll be able to chat with me. Also, please do email me in between shows if you want to suggest a guest or have me ask questions of a particular guest who's going to come on. You can reach me at Tracy at TracyLSlatten.com. In the coming weeks, we have some wonderful guests coming on. Next week on June 18th at 1 p.m. our normal time, Desiree Watson of Wellness International will talk about the wellness lifestyle. On June 25th, Marnie Galloway, a comic artist and illustrator, will talk about the state of the comic and the graphic novel. On July 2nd, producer and director Christine Yu will talk about her journey of making The Wedding Palace and what it's like to be a woman director in Hollywood. On July 9, internationally renowned Vedic astrologer Camilla Sutton will talk about how to make our lucky stars work for us. So tune in and keep checking the website, independentartistthinkers.com, and the Blog Talk Radio page to find out who will be on the show. I am delighted today to have actress Stephanie Maloney on the show. She's at an earlier point in her trajectory than some of my guests, but she's already thinking out of the box, and she's the second generation of performer in her family, which is pretty cool. Stephanie is a New York City-based musical theater performer. Her training includes the University of Michigan, BFA in Musical Theater, Pennsylvania Governor's School for the Arts, Modern Dance Major, Pittsburgh CLO Academy, and Pittsburgh Youth Ballet. 
Stephanie is a member of the Equity, Actors' Equity Association, has performed in musicals across the U.S., and has recently toured nationally and internationally with the Broadway musical Chicago. And I think she's got some exciting news about that to tell us, too. Some other favorite credits include The Marvelous Wonderettes, Into the Woods, Les Miserables, Man of La Mancha, and 42nd Street. Stephanie will be spending the summer in Seoul, South Korea, with the company of Chicago the Musical. And her website is www.stephaniemaloney.com, and that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-M-A-L-O-N-E-Y, stephaniemaloney.com. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's great, and I think you have such an interesting family history and lineage of performing, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, to say. And, you know, I've known you for a few years and I've always been impressed with how consistently upbeat you are in a, in a field that I know isn't easy. It's it's very hard to stay upbeat. There's a lot of rejection, to say it bluntly. But if you just keep going and you have to surround yourself with very positive people, not even out outside of your art and inside of your art. So, the performers and the people you audition with and say your agents and even just your friends, everyone has to be supporting you. And if they're not, you just thank you for your time. But in New York City, it's already so cutthroat. You want to you want to be happy. Well, I love that attitude. And it's it's just remarkable to be with you and in your presence because you do really emanate that. Um, so we'll talk more about that. But I wanted to start off with how you began your journey of being a musical theater actress and what it has taken for you to arrive where you are now, what training did you have, and when did you know you were going to be an actor, and not just an actor, a singer and a dancer, so it's pretty specialized and highly trained. What did you think you would be? So tell me about your childhood. Start young and just keep going and bring us up to the present. Well, both of my parents are dancers. They met in a dance company, so I was exposed to the arts at a very, very young age, which I was very fortunate about. Um, but that means I was also exposed to everything that can go wrong in the artistic field. And they were always very honest with me and very supportive at the same time. So when I wanted to, when I decided to go into theater, they made sure that I did have the best training and that I would also know like how hard it is to do this and how hard I will have to train. So when I was young, they obviously started me in like creative moving classes and dance classes to just experience and be able to appreciate what they do when I watch them on stage. And I actually got into musical theater because I was very, very shy in school. I would not talk to anybody. So my dad... Not you! <laughs> not anymore. Now I can talk anybody's ear off. Everyone's like, shut up, Stephanie. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk. So um, my dad was teaching at the Performing Arts High School in Pittsburgh at the time, and uh, one of his fellow teachers, Buddy, who ended up be, being one of my mentors, he um, was like, I teach at the, oh, and Leslie as well. They're, they both said, well, I teach at the Pittsburgh CLO Academy. It's a musical theater school. You should take her there. You know, put her in a acting class. Let her be around other artistic kids. And I took some classes, and that summer they happened to be doing Annie at the main stage with all these professional artists that they bring in from New York. So I'm like, my parents were like, whatever, I guess we'll let her audition, not really knowing anything. And I got the job of Molly, who is the youngest little orphan. Aww. And it was the best time of my life. And I recently um, I recently did the tour of Chicago, 
and my music director and conductor on Chicago was the same music director as in Annie in 1996. I was like small world, so full circle, but um, I did that and I was bitten by the bug, as you might say, and yeah, I kept training. I kept training at the Pittsburgh CLO, which is a wonderful, wonderful um, program in the city of Pittsburgh, and um, I actually got my actor's equity card with them as an adult in college, Uh, but going back a little bit, I wanted, for a while, I said I wanted to just dance and I trained in modern dance and then for a while I just wanted to sing and I was like I'm going to be an opera singer I think that was me trying to rebel from my parents a bit and saying I'm not going to dance at all I'm just going to sing and then as I was applying to colleges I realized I loved it all and I just wanted to perform and be happy and so I looked into musical theater schools and I got accepted to the University of Michigan uh, which is one of the top programs in the nation And I was very, very fortunate, and I loved my time there. And I especially loved um, that you could take other classes outside of your arts. And that was really important to me because my parents always instilled that you can be a great performer, but if you're not educated, you'll have nothing to bring to your arts. So even in high school, I wanted to go to the performing arts high school where my dad taught. My dad was like, you already trained so hard outside of school, stay in your public school, get your education. Like I know you're happy, happiest when you're taking your history classes and your English classes. And he knew me so well. And I, I really thank my parents for that. Uh, So I went to Michigan and when I graduated within a week with two suitcases in hands, I moved to New York city into a sublet with two boys in Sunnyside, Queens. And I've never looked back. And that's, I'm here and I'm auditioning and I recently just got an agent. I just signed with my very first agent um, almost a year ago, which is pretty big. I've been in the city for five years now. So I'm with the Daniel Hoff Agency. Um, I've done a Broadway national tour and I've worked regionally and that's kind of my story. That is a great story, Stephanie. And I just, I have to ask, was there one specific moment, this is a particular interest of mine, so I I like to ask my guests this, was there one specific moment when the light bulb went on over your head and you said, this is it, this is who I am, this is what I will do, this is how I will spend my life? Actually, yes. And I, I get very emotional when I watch theater. I'm a big crier in the theater. Um, And The summer before my freshman year of college, I was working at the Pittsburgh CLO and I was doing like their teen ensemble work for 42nd Street, which is a big tap song and dance show. And um, I already knew I was going to Michigan in the fall. And as a teen, we were only allowed to be in the opening number. So it's if you know the show, it starts out with all these feet that are tapping and it's an audition and half half the cast leaves. We, I guess, get quote-unquote, cut from the audition, and you never see us again. We were all the teens that were in the show. But before the bows, we would all come backstage, and we would watch the adult ensemble dancing on stage. And at the end of the show, the curtain comes up, and there is this huge staircase. Everyone's in gold. The music is blasting. Everyone's tapping. It's like gold and sparkly, and I'm watching it from the wings, and I just start sobbing. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and it's so... It seems so frivolous to say it was like tapping shoes and red lipstick and gold sparkles, but it was 
it was perfect. And that's when I realized this is what I want to do with my life. And I was lucky enough, I recently did that exact same production of 42nd Street two years ago. And I remember dancing on the stairs and I look over my shoulder and there's all the teens backstage watching me. And I could only hope that one of them were, was also inspired to say, yes, it's beautiful. Everything's beautiful in musical theater. <laughs> yeah, there's something amazingly uplifting. I think yeah. that that moment in a musical theater production when everyone breaks into song, it's just this wildly uplifting, transformative experience. Mm-hmm. And it and it only happens in musical theater. And uh, we talked about it in my intro to musical theater class in college, like what makes a musical special. And there, there is so much emotion that spoken word can no longer justify it. We can speak about it, we can dance about it, but we have to sing about it. And that's the emotion leads us into song. And I think great musicals do that so flawlessly and it's really beautiful. That is amazing. That is wonderful. Um so as a second gener- generation artist, you know, you've said your parents were very helpful. Did they encourage you or discourage you to join the field? I mean, did you see their successes and trials and failures and challenges? And then did they ever say to you, oh, Stephanie, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? Uh, They were totally supportive, like 100%. But they also, okay, well, if you're going to do this, you can't skip your ballet class today to go on a date with your boyfriend. You know, there is, they, that was a, big thing growing up. Okay, Stephanie, they had to always remind me, it's hard. What do you want to do? And at one point in middle school, I said, I want to play field hockey. And they were like, do you really want to play field hockey? Or do you just want to wear the skirts that they wear when they play field (laughs) hockey? And I was like, ah, correct. I just want to wear the skirts and be involved with my school. And, you know, I wanted to, I don't know, Be be on a team. But they were like, you are on a team, you have all your friends. And it came down to going to dance class or doing that. And I was like, oh, I have to choose? Well, I guess I'll stay in dance class. And honestly, all of my best friends are still from my artistic classes growing up. So I'm I'm really happy they made me stick with it. They made me stick with playing the piano, which has come in more helpful than you would think. And so it was always supportive, but always very honest, saying, okay, we will support you, but you have to do it right. So what you're talking about is the discipline that goes into the arts. Absolutely. There's so much discipline. And, I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up seeing the discipline and seeing my parents work so hard. And, I mean, I grew up sitting in the corner of a dance studio, and I had to be quiet. Stephanie, we're rehearsing. You can't, you know, I can't be, like, crying or making a fuss in the corner. I would sit and I would watch the rehearsals. I would watch them, you know, create art. And I think you have to learn at an early age that, you have to be, no. we talk about this a lot, the three A's, to be an artist, an advocate, and an audience. You don't have to be all three, but at that point, you have to be a good audience. Can you talk a little bit more about that? That's interesting. Oh, the three A's, yes. Um, oh, I should have talked about this earlier. So I went to the Pennsylvania Governor School for the Arts, which no longer exists, and it's a tragedy that it doesn't. It, it was a state-run um, artistic summer camp for kids uh, between either – between your summer of your sophomore and junior year or junior and senior year. And you can only go once, and it was a five-week state-funded summer program. And I was a dance major there, and it was wonderful. And you could be a dancer, you could be a writer, you could be a artist. It was beautiful, a musician. 
and they always talked about, okay, you are all artists. You don't have to stay artists, but if you're not going to be an artist, please be an audience member and support the arts. And if you're not going to be an audience member, then be an advocate for the arts. And I tell that to everyone. Okay, you don't want to go to the opera. I understand you don't want to be an opera singer. You don't want to sit in the audience of an opera. Well, then at least support the opera. And I think that is a wonderful thing that my parents taught me and that we learned the three A's at governor school. This is all really important because already the topics that you're bringing up are topics that I, as a, an author, and my husband is a sculptor, and, you know, Lori Bellelove, who's the dancer, the artistic director of the Isidore Duncan Dance Foundation, and Alexis Suarez, the actor, all these people in the arts have been talking about the same sorts of things, you know, the discipline, the idea of deferred gratification, that you're not going to be peachy keen happy every single second. Sometimes you're going to be biding your time, paying your dues, being quiet, watching while someone else performs. And then this idea that the arts are really, really important and that we have a responsibility as people interested in the arts to support it and advocate it and help it. And, you know, I think it's really sad that this governor's program doesn't exist. Was that like a budget cut? Yeah, it was a budget cut. And not only was the governor's school for the arts cut, um, there were governor schools for economics, for world finance. There was, I don't know, there were governor schools for so many things, but the Pennsylvania governor school for the arts was the very first governor school in the U.S. And other states have picked this up and picked up the model, but the state of Pennsylvania has snip snipped it away from the budget. And I think it's, it's getting back on their feet slowly, but surely, but I don't think it'll ever be completely state funded again. I think it's going to have to go with, um, you know, other backers, some private, some private funding, which, which is totally possible, but it was, this beautiful oasis of art. And it was the first time as like a, as a kid in high school that you're completely surrounded by other people that love what you do. There was a performance every night. You would go to like an art gallery. You would go to like a poetry reading. It was, it was really wonderful. And it, I've never experienced that type of art since then. So it was an immersive experience. So, all right, listeners, anyone listening in the archives or listening live right now, I hope you'll think about reaching out to the Pennsylvania Governor's Programs for high school students and help maybe donate some money or write some letters to get that program for the arts back for these kids because it's amazing. Um, Starting kids early in art is is everything. I think it's really, really important. So here's a question that you had sent me saying, you know, this might be something to ask me. How is a musical theater performer an independent artist in New York City? Oh, yes. I did send you that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was trying to think about that when you asked me to originally do this email. I was like, am I really independent? Because I work with so many people. And then I thought, absolutely, I'm independent because nobody works for the same boss. Like, I have to be my own boss. I know people say, like, well, don't you work with your agent? No, well, my agent kind of works for me, but and I work with them. It's more a, a collaboration than a, a boss and a client. And then people say, well, don't you work for, um, like, isn't your boss, like, a casting director? And I was like, no, I work with a casting director. And so I... I guess the only person I would work for would be like a producer of a show. So when I work with Chicago, I work for Namco, which is our company. But then I'm only employed with them for so long, and then I move on. So I myself 
am an independent artist because I have to work with people, but I never work always for somebody. I think that that makes sense. Yeah, and, there, and there's no security. Like, you don't sign a 10-year contract with Namco. No, but they, I mean, they've been wonderful, and this company's been great that I've, I've done Chicago with them, and now I'm going to do um, Chicago again in Korea, which is so exciting. I leave on Tuesday. Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah, I'm going to South Korea on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of hasn't hit me yet. I still have a lot of packing to do, um, but it's so great. I I just got an email from my agent saying they would like you back in the company, and I said, sure. Um, it's With that show, it's been around for so long. It's such a blessing that travel with it. And I, I went to Dubai with them. I traveled the U.S. with them. I'm totally okay with being young and traveling the world and stamping my passport. And I get to perform and do what I love at the same time. And I know very few people I feel like have that opportunity. And I've been trying to like learn Korean. And actually tonight I'm going to eat some Korean food down in Koreatown to just figure it out <laughs> before I go. That is wonderful. That's. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Korea is really a cool place these days. It's really happening. I hear there's so much good internet there that even the taxis have great internet. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I was reading this article in the New York Times, and they said everyone from um, the, the Silicon Valley people here in the U.S., which we think are like the most like up-and-comers, like they are all going to Seoul to learn what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to come back to the U.S. and be like, the internet sucks here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So that you were talking about being an independent artist in New York City and working with a lot of people. So this is another one of your questions. There are a lot of people you work with to get jobs, agents, casting directors, producers, union. How does everyone help you with that? Okay. Yeah. Um, what's great about where where I am in the business, I think, for this interview is I am the completely normal, average musical theater girl. Like, I have an agent but I still go to cattle calls. Like I still have to go to the open call. I'm not, I'm not big enough that I can, you know, just get offered a role, but I'm not like, you know, inexperienced enough that I'm non-union and having to wait at 4am. I'm kind of right in the middle, which is nice. Um, but I work with on an average day, let's go to that, how I get a job. Um, I am a member of the Actors' Equity Association, and so they have two types of auditions. They have a chorus call, and they have a principal call for shows, and they will post them all on the website. And for chorus calls, my union helps me because they do they put up lists every week. So for a chorus call, I can say, okay, Wicked has a chorus call on Wednesday for Singer Girls, and I would go to the union building in Midtown, and I would put my name on the list. And then when the chorus call happens, I go a half hour before and they call the list and I get a number. If I was non-union, I would have to wait till all the all the union girls had their had their names called with. And of course, it's wicked. So it's usually like number 200. And they might not even have time to see the non-union girls. So I'm very, very fortunate and lucky that I have my union to protect me and get me seen for these auditions. Um, and they do the same thing with principal auditions where I can go in the morning and get a time slot and pick my time so and then maybe go work my day job, go babysit, pick up a kid from school, and then uh, come back and audition after I babysit. I can plan my day accordingly. Um, another person that helps me get my job is my agent. So say I can't make a course call or a principal call or there's something I'm really right for and I, I would email them and I would say, hey, this is casting can you get me an appointment? So that means I would bypass all that first audition nonsense. 
And my agent would say, okay, great. Um, they want to see you at this time, on this day, at this place. Please prepare this. And what's nice about that, too, is sometimes they'll give you material ahead of time to prepare, which is always wonderful. And I love that. And to be able to go into a room and not have to question, I don't know if this is what you want to hear, but I think it's appropriate. No, you know exactly what they want to hear. So that's how my agent helps me get a job. And then um, as callbacks keep going, they will, you know, keep keep my schedule in line for me and they'll they'll negotiate contracts for me. Um, what else? Oh, producers, producers and like casting directors, um, they, they are on like the other side of the table and they, producers are the money. So they kind of have final say when it comes to things. So what's great is like, if you've worked for them before, maybe, I don't know, they are the money of auditions. Um, and then casting directors, um, uh, they are the people that contact your agent and they kind of wrangle all the talent for the producers to see. So they're kind of the middleman between the creative and the producers and the actors and agents, if that makes sense. I'm talking with my hands and I realize nobody can <laughs> see this because I am on a computer. Great. <laughs> I'm like, so, um, so do people, like casting directors and producers, do they start to get to know you after seeing you? Absolutely. I have a really nice rapport with a couple uh, casting casting directors just because they are who I go in for every day. And sometimes they'll say, Stephanie, we've heard you sing that song a billion times. Can you sing something else for me today? And they they really root for you and you want to have a nice rapport with them because if they know you, then they can just contact your agent and it's like – all these middlemen I feel like to get a job and you have to get to know everyone to get the job. So I would, the casting directors, they're who are behind the table usually when I go in for these ECCs and EPAs with equity. And so you have to go to those. I don't know. It's like, uh, you just have to keep networking and keep going to get to know all these people. Like in these people, they also have classes that you can take. So sometimes I'll, you know, pay to take a class so I can get seen by them and, just really know what they're looking for because, I don't know, maybe they maybe they just really hate Rodgers and Hammerstein and I always go in singing Rodgers and Hammerstein for them. But if I take their class, they can be like, I just don't really like their music. And you're like, oh, well, now I just won't sing that for you anymore. But everyone's different and I think it's really important to try to get to know everybody. And it, it just can't, it can't hurt to just go and be seen and audition. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no, it's great. So um, Alexis Suarez, my friend who's an actor who was in a few weeks ago, talked about being easy to work with and also about building momentum and maintaining momentum, like never letting letting down the auditioning. Yeah, I, I audition a, a lot. <laughs> um, I, you could attest, you see me all the time. I always have a big bag with me. You You can't stop. And it's great to have a job out of town that I almost feel a little behind when I get back into town. Like when I got off tour, I haven't been in front of these casting directors for a year. And so some people say, Oh, well you were just on a job. You can, you know, that's great. Now it should be easy. No, it's, it's hard. People are probably like, where's this girl been for a year? I mean, they can look on my resume and see what I've been doing, but now I have to continue farther and continue harder to audition and show them, look, I have been working. I am, I have learned, I have grown since you've last seen me and you, you can never stop. Even if your agent 
will get you an audition, still go to all these other open calls because you also never know. Maybe they're not looking for you for their show, for that one show, but they could be casting four other things. And they could be like, mm, you're not right for that, but I'm doing this reading next week that you would be perfect for. You never know what these, what anyone's looking for. So you might as well go. Or they could say, oh, we wanted a brunette for this. Or, well, I guess I'm a brunette. That's a bad example. So say I went in for something that was supposed to be blonde. And they were like, oh, I thought we wanted a blonde. But actually, it's great that you're a brunette. You know, they, you never know. You can always change their mind. You just have to be persistent. Yeah. So that's a, this is, brings up another issue. Like, how do you find the persistence and the resilience personally and the inner strength to keep going? Personally, I... I just make sure that like when I come home at night that I'm happy and that I am happy with my survival job. And I think if I'm happy in the other aspects of my life, that it'll translate to my art. And I mean, my boyfriend has heard it. He has heard me come home and cry. And I have a very like safe place at home to let out the emotions. But it's also I feel very comfortable there to let them out, keep them there. And then when I come back into the city, to audition, I can be open again and be be strong again. You have to have I, – I think every artist needs, like, a safe place and just needs to be happy. Like I, kind of what I said, like, earlier, don't surround yourself with negative people. There's, there's no need for that. It's just going to bring you down. You have to be happy with your survival job. I love, like, every family I babysit. They're all wonderful, and all the kids are great. And I've had this situation where I've, I babysat a family, and I was like, oh, this isn't quite right, and I've had to – weigh the is the job worth it or is it not worth it and sometimes you kind of have to suck it up for the money to pay the rent but I try to keep everything I do positive and if I'm happy with that it'll translate to my art so for you it's about attending to the the details and aspects of your life and making sure you're happy with the people in your life and with the work in your life that surrounds making art yeah because I'm I love what I do. Like I love performing. There's, there's no, that's not hard for me. Get when I'm in an audition room, I mean, I'm nervous, but at least I'm there doing what I love. And if I'm dancing in an audition, I'm like, Oh, maybe I won't get this, but it's a free dance class. I'm, I'm living my life for this moment. This is 30 seconds singing for somebody that I, I get to live in. And it's when you leave the room that all the negative negativity can come in. So as long as everything else is, positive and wonderful in my life, I think it'll translate into the room. So was there ever a time you felt like you had just bombed an audition? And if so, what did you do? Oh, my God, all the time. No, it's, yeah, I've bombed. I mean, I've fallen flat on my face. I've broken my shoes in the room. I have cracked while singing. I feel like I've done it all. Actually, there was this one audition. This was, like, years ago. My mom is probably listening, and she knows what I'm going to talk about. There was this, like, children's choir in Pittsburgh and I went in and I've never I've never done worse in my life and especially at that age like I I worked so hard everything was oh my god I was in like maybe like ninth or tenth grade and I I've never bombed something more in my life like it was the first time where I was like oh my god I'm just thoroughly embarrassed and I mean obviously I didn't get it but at that point like I I was getting everything i I worked so hard. Everything was, I did my schoolwork. I went to class. I practiced. And this one, I just didn't practice hard enough, I guess. <laughs> but I bombed it. And it was a really good life lesson. That was the first time I just royally screwed something up. 
so what was the lesson that you need to practice more, Stephanie? You can't just, you know, things were coming easy at that point in my life. I, I didn't need to practice as hard to sing. I didn't, you know, you get to that point in your career where you're like, oh, I can do this. And then you really bomb and you're like, okay, I still need to practice. I can't just, I can't just sight read my way through this music. I, yeah, there's, there's, it will, there will never come a point where it'll be easy. It might seem easy, but then you're just going to trip and you don't want that to happen. So you always have to keep working. I, I do believe it's important for artists to fail and be, learn how to fail uh, and deal with it and learn how to pick themselves up by their bootstraps after. I mean, I've failed a million times and had a million rejections. So uh, I get rejected. I get rejected like daily from auditions. I mean, the, the, the amount that I audition versus the amount that I get the job is it's like one to a hundred. So, I mean, even getting a callback in my mind is a victory. It has to be, you know, or that I, I made a, the choice that I made in the audition is what that I, the choice that I wanted to do. That's a victory. Even if I don't get the job or if I don't get the callback. Oh, well, I nailed my double pirouette today. Victory. I made that acting choice that I was working on at home and I did it well. Victory. Maybe they didn't like the acting choice, but that's what I planned on doing and I'm happy with my choice. As long as, yeah, you have to find the little victories in life. So, here we're starting to see a bigger, a more global strategy. I think that you're looking to surround yourself with positive people, looking to surround yourself with work you enjoy doing that keeps your, pays your bills. And you also find ways to congratulate yourself for the small victories and um, the, the, you know, the singles and doubles, even when you don't hit a home run. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm a totally positive person all the time and that life doesn't get me down, but this I'm not completely perfect at my own mantra, but I'm still working towards it. And I hope that I, I always like talk to my parents on the phone and I say, hopefully this, this will pay off. Like me being a good, happy person and just always working and sometimes flying under the radar. Hopefully it will pay off one day. Well, where do you see your career? You know, what is the payoff? Where do you see your career in five years, 10 years, 20 years? And what's your dream role? So start talking about that payoff. Where, do, where are you going? Honestly, I, I just want to get paid for what I do. I want to be a working, happy artist. Like, I don't, I don't want to be famous. I, that, just, that doesn't appeal to me. I just want to be able to be a working actor. I would love to... I, I do Chicago. I would love to join that Broadway company and do that. It's such a beautiful show. I would love to do that, live in the city, have kids here, have a family, and just be like a working artist. And, I mean, I saw my parents do that. They were they were working artists, and they they supported two kids and sent them through college by doing what they love. I mean, they they teach, they perform, and they made it work, and I I want to do that as well. And I see myself in five, ten years still working towards that. I don't, especially in New York, it's not going to come easy. And there's always going to be the downtime unless I book that one show that never closes and then I will I will never leave. Um, but, yeah, I just want to be a, a, working, a working artist and a working mom and make it work. I, my dream role is... If I get to play a lead, I love Les Mis, and I would love to be Fontaine in Les Mis. It's, I think the music is gorgeous, and she gets such a great song, and I feel like I'm totally copping out, but she gets to sing, and then she dies, and you don't see her for the rest of the show. She's in, like, literally the first 20 minutes. It's such a, 
it's such a great role, and that would be my dream. Also, I would love to do Man of La Mancha again. That was my absolute favorite show that I've done so far. I did it in college. Again, I think the music in that, again, is beautiful and brilliant, and the role of Aldonza is an absolute dream. I'd love to tackle it again. What are some other fun roles that you have thought about? Um, that I've done or that I would like to do? Like to do. Oh, um, I'm trying to think. I, I would love to do more, like, singing, acting roles. Like, I, I feel like the dancing roles, I'm like, no, nah, my body could stand to not do that. <laughs> but um, anything with, like, a wonderful character behind it that I've, I don't know. I, I'm always drawn to more like the dramatic, like Mano La Mancha and Les Mis. That, that's the music that speaks to my soul more. I'm trying to think if there's like anything fun. <laughs> so I don't seem like. Have you ever watched an actor or actress in a role and said, oh, I could have done that better? That happens to everybody. But as, as I get older, you, you realize like they're they are wonderful. And those choices, even though I may not agree with them, I probably would have never thought of those choices. So like the choices that I, I would have made, they probably wouldn't like. Everything fits, fits well in people's minds. And if my choices make sense in my mind, but my choices probably wouldn't have made sense in their mind. So you just have to, and that's probably not what the director would have wanted to. It's not the vision of the show. So even if I say, oh, I could have done that better, probably not. It wouldn't have fit. It wouldn't have fit the dramatic sequence of the show. And what have you found to be the best tool to help you on your path to being this working actress, this working artist? The best tools. Um, I just take a lot of class. I go to dance class a lot. I try to go to voice lessons. I, I ask my friends. I watch a lot of theater. I watch a lot on YouTube. I feel like I'm just always trying to even if I can't afford to go to a class or see a show, try to experience as much theater as possible because I feel like that's the only way to learn is by watching others, especially in this industry. Um, so I think that's the best tool. And I, I tell this to a lot of like kids that I teach. Um, if you want to learn style, if you want to learn anything that has to do with a specific genre, just look it up. We have the internet now. It's such a great tool. I mean, that's how I learned Fosse the Fosse style for Chicago, I watched a lot of YouTube videos to learn it. And so I think watching is the best tool you can, you can do. And if you can afford to see all the Broadway shows, go, go, go see live theater. But if not, just find other ways. And what has been your underlying motivation and we, on your current path, we may have discussed this, but maybe you can talk about it more as motivation motivation. I think my motivation is my family, like my future family, I would say, because like I, I want to be successful because I want to be a mom and I want to be supportive to other people. I want, I don't want to be like needing everyone's help forever. I mean, like right now my parents are so wonderful and they're like, Stephanie, do you need $20? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. Thanks. I'm an adult. I swear. Um, but I, I, I have always strived to be an independent person that can support themselves. And I want to be able to keep supporting myself and can keep supporting other people. And I think that's my motivation to, yeah, 
Does that make sense? Is that a good answer? <laughs> Have you ever come face to face with obstacles, any serious obstacles that almost took you off this path altogether, and how did you rebound? Um, I mean, an almost face to face obstacle is this. So I'm going to Korea, and I was talking with my boyfriend. There's MERS over there, that big thing, mm-hmm. and I had like a breakdown one night and I was like, what if we don't go with MERS? Because there's this, it's like SARS, it's a big outbreak. And I'm like, what if we don't go? And he's like, if you don't go, then it's okay. And I was like, I turned, I I got three jobs this summer and I turned two down to do this job. What if I would have just, I would be SOL if this doesn't go. And I, I was already having like the breakdown of like, I just turned on three jobs and now I have no jobs because of this outbreak and it was like it was killing me and inside and I feel like that was like a big slap of reality of saying like things can happen in this world where you are suddenly unemployed all of a sudden and I immediately started thinking I immediately started contacting people saying like possibly what is anything open this summer or trying to look at kids schedules when they're at camp and when they're not at camp to babysit or I don't know I I immediately got on the up and up of just looking at possible job openings for the summer. So I think I'm pretty good at like landing on my feet, but it sucks. And that was like the most recent. And obviously it didn't happen because hopefully I'm still going. I mean, MERS is still over there, but. but there's, yeah, there's been no word that you're the tour no. canceled. Oh, no, we're still going. We're we're definitely still going at this point. I just got my flight information. But um, <laughs> that was like, it was a big scare in my mind. And even though it didn't, it didn't happen, so I guess that's copping out of this answer a little bit. But it it was like an awful feeling, like to the gut of my stomach, thinking that I couldn't do this and I was going to be SOL and unemployed again. Ugh. And um, what about any earlier, any earlier moments that like that um, earlier in your career when you were a kid and you almost didn't decide to not be an actor? I've always wanted to do this. Um, I, I don't know. Even when, even when life got tough, I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I always, I always tell myself and I tell my boyfriend this, if, if I could think of anything else, I would do it because this career is so hard. But right now I can't think of anything else I would want to do. So I don't think so. I don't know. And what actors are your role models? What actors inspire you? Who do you love to watch? Oh, I love Maren Maisie. She was like my very first idol. Um, I would listen to her cast album, The Back to Before, and I just think she is a goddess. And I think that was my first, like, modern day, like, because I was, I was becoming a woman and listening to her, and oh, I think she's everything. I saw her show at 54 Below. I think she's amazing. Um, but I love listening to just, like, I love listening to Barbra Streisand and watching, like, old old Babs videos on YouTube. There's this great one of her singing Cry Me a River and she's she's like 19 years old and she's just standing and looking at the camera and singing. And you don't need anything else. It was I feel like a lot of people lose that nowadays. If you just if you just sing and emote, that's all you need. You don't need all like the razzmatazz and show behind it. It was wonderful. So I love Barbara. I saw her in Brooklyn too when she was on tour. I went with my mom. It was fun. 
Who else? Who else? Um, who would you aspire to be in ten or fifteen years, or twenty years? Either of them, I would love to be them, um, and I would love to be Stephanie Maloney, <laughs> be my own person. Um, like dancers that I love, I I love like Gwen Verdon, like and all the old Fosse women. I think there's just they have such chutzpah behind them when they dance, and they just let their bodies go. It's like a beautiful. It's beautiful to watch them because you're like, that's what musical theater is. They bring the the dancing through their bodies as well. Like they, they have the song, but they act with every fingernail on their body as well. It's nice. It's nice to watch. That's cool. Um, what do you like most about being a musical theater actress and what do you like least? Um, let's start with what I like least. Um, the The thing I don't like is a lot of people – say oh it's musical theater it's fluff but it's not we work so darn hard all of us because you can't and I understand like a lot of people want to just focus on dance or singing or acting and I totally get that and I wish I had time in my life to focus on all three equally but I don't I have to I have to excel at all three for this career which I, which is one of the reasons why I love this career, because you get to do it all. But also a lot of people kind of, I feel like, look down on it a bit because it's fluffy and it's musical theater. But I think the Tony Awards this year really showed that musical theater is taking a wonderful turn. There was the musical that won Fun Home. It was based on this graphic novel. And it's, I totally recommend it to anybody, but it kind of shows how musical theater is changing. And it's not fluff. It is really purely speaking showing stories through song, which I think is something very rare. I don't know. And what do you like most about what you do? Oh, that we get to do all three things. We get, we have the opportunity to express ourselves with the spoken word, with song, with dance. And you get to, I don't know. I just think it's the most like liberating to do on stage. Cause if I've, done straight plays and I want to break into song and dance <laughs> and I've done like an opera and I I want to dance but I have to stand and sing so I've, I've done all three but I've always wanted to incorporate the other things and I think it's musical theater is so wonderful that you get to do all three yeah so you've been talking about doing your art and having parents who are artists what is for you the definition of art what does art do Oh, what a deep question, Tracy. <laughs> what does art mean to me? Art, I feel like, is anything that's to your soul personally. So, like, if if somebody can have a guttural reaction to it, I feel like it's art. So if it makes you feel anything. So I see your plant behind you, the plant and the arrangement. Like that, if somebody's like, if somebody has like a strong reaction to that and if it makes them feel something, then that is art. And I think that's what art is. And my, my parents, they really showed me that as a child, like by watching their, their dance concerts. Cause even sometimes I would say like, I don't know what's going on. That meant nothing to me. They're like, that's okay. But it meant something to somebody else. So that's another thing of the three A's just be an advocate for it. I understand like it wasn't your cup of tea, but it's still art. I don't know. Does that make sense? And, and what is the purpose of art in today's life since we're supposed to be advocates of it? Art keeps people creative and it keeps minds 
thinking outside of the box. It would be a shame if everyone thought the exact same way and if everyone um, had the same reaction to things. So, like, if everyone if everyone came out of a Broadway show feeling the exact same way, that would be a shame. I, I love the conversation after a show. I love leaving and saying, what did you feel? What? And then it, it sparks conversation. It sparks people thinking and listening to each other, which I feel like a lot of people don't do because we just text or, you know, nobody actually talks to each other anymore. So art brings people into the moment. Absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. Very in the moment. What do you have upcoming? What are some of your plans? I know Korea's upcoming. What else after that? Uh, I'm doing Korea uh, until middle of August, and then I have a break, unless somebody wants to hire me, and, until um, January. January and February, I'm actually going to be back in Pittsburgh working with the Pittsburgh Public Theater doing Guys and Dolls. I don't know if I told you that. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing Guys and Dolls there. I'm going to be a hot box dancer. I actually did Guys okay. and Dolls in high school, so I'm super excited to do the show again and um, work with a the theater in Pittsburgh I've never worked for before. I usually work with the Pittsburgh CLO, but this is the Pittsburgh Public Theater, and they do amazing work as well, so I'm excited to, to do that. So will you, when you get back from Korea, is that one of your audition times? Will you be doing auditions then, or is that not a busy audition time? I mean, there will be auditions. Uh, the busy season, we call it, is like January through like April-ish because that's when all the summer theaters audition. Um, when I get back, probably like uh, some Christmas auditions will be happening. A lot of that's already cast though now, but there's there's always auditions happening. I booked Chicago the first time in, I think, July or August. I think July. Cause, and like people always say that's a slow time, but I was able to get a job with that. So there's always auditions. I always look. If not, I'll babysit until one comes up. <laughs> and do you also audition for, like, commercials and stuff like that? I would love to. Um, my my agent just represents me um, theatrically, um, but I would love to do commercial and print work and stuff. That's where some real money is at. Um, but that's also something I know nothing about. I would love to um, get into some classes for that as well. I've taken a couple, like, on-screen camera classes, but... I'm I'm no expert when it comes to it. So I would love to delve into that more. Well, you're so pretty and so engaging and you know, I would think that would be a natural for you. Oh, well, thank you. You should tell everyone that. <laughs> um, what's a fun fact people might not know about you? People might not know. I am secretly an old woman because I love to bake and knit all the time. I bake cupcakes and I knit people's scarves. It's like one of my favorite things to do. If I wasn't an actor, I've always said I wanted to be a cake decorator. I, I want to decorate my wedding cake one day. I'm not kidding. Sean thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> He's like, you're going you're gonna to have a panic attack like the day before the wedding because you're going to be decorating a wedding cake. But I'm going to do it. I want to take a class, and I want to learn how to do it. I make killer cupcakes. I make Irish carbone cupcakes that are to die for. <laughs> Please feel free to bring some here. Um, what do you do in your spare time when you're not, you know, working and working? What spare time? Um, <laughs> I I really take my spare time to chill because there's there's so few of it here in the city, and I really t my spare time is like seeing shows and seeing friends and seeing what they're up to. Um, I watch a lot of Netflix, <laughs> which people's like, oh, that's you know, doing nothing, but it is our industry. Like I have to 
keep up with what's going on in the world. Like Orange is the New Black, I binge watch that on Netflix, but that also films here in New York City. And I would love to stay up on that because I, if I one day get an audition for that, I need to be up on the story. I need to be up on the show. So I really, I really just try to stay up with current events here in New York and just live my life. I'm 26 and living in New York City. I have to experience it. That is, that is cool. How, so do you think there's a magic formula for success? Absolutely not. I thought there was. I remember my senior year of college, and they were preparing us to come to New York City. And what we do at Michigan is we have a senior showcase here. So you get like a minute and a half, and the faculty like helps pick a song for you, and they put together this little showcase with you and your 16 other classmates. And you come here, and you perform it for agents and casting directors, and hopefully you get an agent. Um, and I remember asking some people that were coming back and advising us on this. And my questions were so silly looking back. Um, they were like, well, how do you balance, like, if your agent gets you an appointment or if this happens? And that's it's never going to be set in stone. Like, how you get one job is not going to be how you get your next job even. Um, some people like a TV show right out of school when they've been auditioning for musicals the whole time. I, I don't know. It's you just kind of have to go where your career is taking you. And if you're not happy with where your career is taking you, you can always change it. That's what's great about this industry is you can, there are so many opportunities between theater and film and commercials and even just like music in the city. There's a lot of people that now just like sing in the basement of some bar in Brooklyn and you, you can do whatever you want. You just have to go with it. So you sort of follow the path, but you're also sort of constantly being fluid and constantly being proactive at the same time. Yes, you have to be completely proactive and you just have to keep pushing forward if that's the if you're on a path that you want to be on and if you don't want to be on that path, then pick a new one and push forward on that one. What would you want to tell your younger self? If you could, you know, looking back on that little girl watching from the stage and seeing how beautiful that moment was and the gold and the glitz and the lipstick and the tapping, what would you say to her? Any wisdom you would give her? I would tell her to learn like three or four more instruments because it is, I know that sounds so silly, but I play the flute, the piccolo and the piano. And if I could even go back farther in time, I would say pick up a brass instrument, pick up like, a saxophone, pick up a clarinet, like try and be as musical as possible and even get better at the piano. Cause I mean, I can play, but I'm no virtuoso. That's what I would tell any young performer right now is if you can play instruments, it is so, so valuable. Yeah. Um, before we go, Stephanie, and we have about four minutes left, would you please share with us where listeners can find out about you and your work? Just, Tell us everything. Oh, yes. Um, I have a website. Uh, it is www.stephaniemaloney.com, and that's E-P-H-A-N-I-E-M-A-L-O-N-E-Y.com. Um, and there you can find everything. I have. I try to keep it up to date um, on what I'm doing. I have some video clips that are on there. Um, I have a clip of me singing. I have a clip of me dancing. And they all are just YouTube links into the page um, also like my agent information is on there to, if you want to contact them, there's also like my personal email is on there. 
but I try to keep it up to date. I think I'm like a couple projects behind. I didn't put, um, I performed at the Lucille Lortel Awards this year. I was a dancing nun on Mother's Day. My nice Jewish mother was probably so happy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, I haven't put that up there yet, but, and I haven't put the Korea up there yet, but I try to keep lots of pictures, especially with me traveling. I try to keep it up to date with lots of pictures and lots of fun things. So please check it out. Give it some hits. And Facebook, and can people email you anywhere directly? Are you on, do you have a Facebook page, that kind of thing? Um, I don't have a Facebook page. My Facebook page is still my personal page. So, I mean, you can always write me a message and I'll friend you. Um, but my personal email, if you want to get a hold of me, is on my website as well. It's like the last tab to the right. It's contact information. And any last bits of wisdom you'd care to share with us? Any advice to aspiring actors, actresses, musical theater people? Yeah. It's just keep watching theater and keep educating yourself because you'll you never stop learning and i thought i would move to new york and be done taking class but that's it's not the case so get get used to being in class get used to learning get used to rejection because it will never end but have so much fun with it and find find what you love to do and surround yourself with other people that love to do it. Surround yourself with people you can you can geek out and nerd out about this with, because um, it's really important. It's it's such a great community to be in, especially here in New York City. Everyone is so supportive. I have so many friends just from auditioning. I've never actually worked with these girls, but I see them every day at auditions, and they're some of my best friends here and some of my best support. So we're we're out there. We're we're out there to support each other. So stick with it. That is amazing, and thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so nice. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful, and I'm just thinking back over this past um, period of time. You talked about everything from discipline to the mental game of acting, so thank you so much for being on the show. You've been wonderful, and I would really encourage listeners to go to stephaniemaloney.com to learn more about you and your work and to see some of the video clips and hear you singing. You've got an amazing voice oh, and you. so much presence, mm-hmm. so it's you're an amazing, you know, you really have charisma, and it's wonderful to watch you. So um, stephaniemaloney.com, and Stephanie, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Tracy. It was really fun. And to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back next week on Thursday at 1 p.m., which is our normal time, when Desiree Watson of Wellness Interactive will talk about the wellness lifestyle. And thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.